With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rock and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. The cult of personality. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you wanna be. Oh, I'm the cult of personality. I like Mussolini and Kennedy. It's Thursday, you know what that means. Episode 96 of the most elite show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. This is the AEW Rundown. My name is Adam, I'm your host, Alice. Here, what's up, buddy? What's going on, dude? How you doing? How are you? You know, I gotta tell you, I'm. I in get a, really, I get really nervous when you break that voice out right at the beginning of the show. I'm not gonna lie. I'm in a great mood tonight. I'm here to be supportive and be positive, and not fight with anybody or tell anybody that to shut the fuck up. Uh, I'm not here to do that tonight, man. It's a nice, chill, relax episode. It's a nice. Uh, Oh, but dynamite kind of sucks, so I am going to complain a little bit. But what, you know, I won't, I won't do it in anger. I'll do it in fun. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that would be a first. There was a lot of wrestling this weekend. You yourself were actually at a wrestling event this weekend. I was. How was it? Oh, it was great. Proving ground. Ultimate Alliance from the Peabody Black Box Theater, which is such a cool space. Um, diff- definitely different than any other venue I've been in for a wrestling show. Because it is. Do you know what a Black Box Theater is? Uh, yes. I have never been to that particular one, but I do know what a Black Box Theater is. Okay. For anybody anybody who doesn't, Black Box Theater is is it's a room, basically. It is just a room, and the walls are painted black, and it's used for theater productions. And stage. In I was like, sta- yeah. you c- it doesn't have. A, there's no stage. It's just the room. So you, but you can stage the room however you want. You can right. put put shit wherever it needs to be. Put the audience wherever you need to be. If they, uh, there's a little. Uh, they call it a catwalk. It's kind of a balcony area up top, but and there's a you know up on, on the sound booth and lighting booth and whatnot. But it's it's for for wrestling. It's such a cool space. Uh, it doesn't hold a lot of people. We we were sold out at, at I think it was eighty folks, eighty tickets. So it doesn't hold a lot of people, but even that it makes it it's such an intimate venue. 
Um, and, and like I said, it's so different than, than anything else because, you know, it's basically the, the ring obviously takes up most of the room because it's not a big room. It's, it's a box. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very cool. Very cool. They had a projector and they were playing like the entrance videos on the wall behind the ring. It was, it was, it was a really cool space. I it was a lot of fun. Um, proving grounds first show in front of fans, uh, since you know before before the pandemic so very cool show very very cool show nice nice i've never seen wrestling in a venue like that and i can but i can picture it being uh very it was it was super cool um it's called ultimate alliance because we crowned the first ever uh proven ground tag team champions who won Uh, it who won the belt congratulations to the hispanic mechanics uh jose and jose b um and um, that is we crowned in, that that that's really their names. And we crowned a new uh, proving ground heavyweight champion as well. So it's a good uh, nice. it's a good day. It's a good day for wrestling. Who Saturday. won the proving ground heavyweight title? Uh, AJP, AJ Phoenix. Nice, very nice. Then yesterday was my dad's birthday. Okay. Uh, we went. I went. So I went shopping with my kid uh, over the weekend to uh, on, on Sunday to, to get the presents because I went. Oh shit! My dad's birthday is Wednesday. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but we got him. We got him some hot sauce because my dad loves hot sauces. Uh, but they have to be the good hot sauce. Can't just be vinegar. It has to actually have taste like something. And my kid insisted. <laughs> there is a craft store in the mall, like a New Hampshire made local artisan craft store <laughs> and my kids saw it is a little uh I'm, I'm guessing that it's resin mm. it's a it's a rabbit it's maybe three inches tall give or take uh and it's sparkly red basically and we looked throughout the store. And I should have gone to the craft store first because we walked all around the mall mm-hmm. trying to find something. Because uh, my dad is not easy to shop for. Um, but my kid insisted that his gift to Grampy was going to be this little three-inch resin sparkly bunny. I'm like, okay. That's if, cute, okay, though. If you say so. And then, then... After I had picked out my thing, I got him actually at the toy store. I got him. It's a, a 3D puzzle. of a, It's a Lamborghini because he likes cars. Um, after we picked that out, he goes, my kid says, uh, 100% earnestly, I think that since I love Grampy more than you do, that I should get to pick another present. <laughs> And I said, A, <laughs> what makes you think you love my dad more than I do? Uh, B, it's not a competition, kiddo. <laughs> but, See, that was a good teachable moment there, because that probably wouldn't have been my first reaction. No, because then he, he then he tried to defend himself. <laughs> no, but you don't, because obviously, like, obvious, the word obviously was used. <laughs> All right. All right, pal, Relax. Funny you mentioned that. Um, 
my youngest, my nine-year-old, does that a lot, where she she tries to defend herself by by saying something like, "Uh, that, that's not what I meant. You you know you you know what I meant." And I'm like, mm, "No, you were rude. <laughs> you were very rude, and you." Oh. Well, it was Cambria's fault. She yelled at me, and I'm like, "No, that's that's not even what happened." Because I was literally standing right here. <laughs> we had a bit of a breakdown earlier this week because uh, on it was also on Sunday actually. He, his mother and I both got extremely sick of his shit um, because everything, everything became the most dramatic production in the history of the world. I know I know how that is. I know how that be sometimes. And eventually I just snapped because it was coming to sit at the table and eat, getting the, you know everything. And eventually we got pizza and he is picking the pepperonis off the pizza and eating just the pepperonis and I have asked him in the past just eat the pizza, uh, and God I may, I, I may have I may have snapped at the boy, uh, but again, we were both sick of his shit at this point, <laughs> so he refused to talk to me for the rest of the night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I can only assume that he brushed his teeth on Sunday because when I put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, he then took the toothbrush and went back into his room and shut the door. <laughs> He continued to not talk to you. And then, then Monday we were fine. But wow. like, he holds a grudge. Oh, no. Why is everything a production? See, because mine, uh, all three of my children, well, my oldest, it's kind of a different story. But but for the other two, they will um, they'll be super mad at me, but I'll be able to, like, make them, like, laugh and, like, smirk, and then they can't be mad at me anymore. So, I was not in. I was not in the mood to make him laugh or smile. Uh, is the thing. That's true. Because <laughs> I was not in the wrong here. Anyway, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Listen, six-year-old, I was right, and you were wrong, pal. <laughs> but, yeah. So that was Sunday, and then and then he got mad at me on Monday, uh, Monday or Tuesday for for not giving Grampy his birthday presents. Uh, two days early, and then also not waking, not getting out of bed at six thirty when he did on Wednesday to give Grampy his presents. <laughs> he was positive that they were going to have left by the time I got up. To which I reminded him, "I have work today. You'll be fine." And when I did get up and get dressed and took the presents downstairs, he was still in his underpants. So I'm like, "Dude, you didn't have anything to worry about." Um, ask me how my dad is how's your dad 69 all right right. (laughs) (laughs) welcome Astro hello we are not on wrestling yet Astro did you hear the story where Adam was mean to his child and then he got into a uh... Astro understands (laughs) from from the early days of my streaming Astro understands how my child makes everything into a production Um, (laughs) you should love that though that means he's a performer Uh, so a little uh, bit. Of, yes, we are live to the world at twitch.tv/slash the Go ahead. 
uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a side story. Uh, one of my friends growing up, he always would kind of be over dramatic, but in a funny way. And he would always do it to his parents and his grandparents, right? And it, <laughs> and then like, I remember his grandmother used to be like, oh, he's performing again. He's performing in front of his friends. He's making a big scene because his friends are here. We were like seven or eight, so we thought this was fucking hilarious. I know I've told this story on one podcast or another before, but when my when I was younger, uh, we went out to eat most most nights, like almost every night we would go out to eat because my parents both worked full time. And by the time both of them got home, neither of them felt like cooking. So we would go out to a restaurant and I would do something inevitably at this at this restaurant, whatever we were. I would do something stupid and my mother would laugh. And my dad, without fail, would look at my mother and go, don't encourage him. <laughs> but would your dad get mad at you for doing the stupid thing? Uh, at times, <laughs> depending on how stupid the thing was. That makes it even better, though. It really does. Don't encourage him. Oh, by the way, that's why me and my oldest um, clash so easily, because she's just like me when I was a teenager. <laughs> like, smart-ass, like, fucking entitled, just this, a teenager. A teenager, a typical 16-year-old. And I was a shitbag to my parents. Oh, I was so fucking bad. I think about it now, and I'm like, oh, why did I say shit like that? But uh, I don't. I don't feel like I was a shitbag to my parents. I was definitely a shitbag to my cousin. Oh, that's not cool. <laughs> like every every year, the weekend after Labor Day, my parents would have uh, would go on a little weekend getaway thing with the church choir. Um, and I would go and stay with my uncle. And the year I turned 13, uh, the, this is the only time it happened. You'll see why in a moment. He also had my, my two cousins, uh, from a different uncle, uh, there as well. So it was me, my cousin Bree, my cousin Dan. So I was 13, which I'm, I could never get these ages right, which I'm guessing Bree was probably 11. And Danny was probably seven or eight. So we've established that you were the oldest. Yes. And I had just turned 13. Uh, we went to the aquarium. Uncle took the three of us to the aquarium. We made Danny cry at the aquarium <laughs> by uh, insisting that he was adopted and that uh, nobody loved him. <laughs> it was not a good time. Uh, and yeah, we, uh, Uncle never had the three of us there at the same time ever again. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get along with that cousin now? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I also uh, I also once tombstoned him on a bed, and his, his, he says his neck still hurts, but you know whatever. Mm. It wasn't my fault. He he didn't get up for the power bomb. I so I, I had an older stuff. cousin that we used to watch wrestling all the time. He was only two years older. And um, he must have put me in every single fucking move he saw on TV. <laughs> okay, I was put in the sharpshooter. I've always wanted to put someone. It, like I have always wanted to put someone in the sharpshooter. Andy said, uh, Andy said I could, uh, I could put him in the sharpshooter once, but then it never, it, we never got around to it. It never happened. Um, 
he, Bret Hart was also his favorite wrestler, and you can imagine how pissed he was at WrestleMania 12 and how happy I was. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, thank you for bringing that back around to wrestling. Um, we should probably start talking about wrestling, huh? Yeah. Uh, this company particularly does wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> So, let's begin. So, this is a little bit of a weird week, and we do have some programming notes to go through, because if, you know, if you guys remember from last episode, uh, we just did this show, like, three days ago. But it was Friday night into Saturday morning. It's like like five days ago. All right, but it wasn't the full week. Um, So, this week we're back. We're going to do BTE and Dynamite. Now, on the following episode, we will cover Rampage, BTE, and Dynamite. And that's the go-home to All Out. So we'll do our because predictions. And, and, and we'll do our All Out predictions. Yes, we'll you do our All Out predictions. If, if you look at the... We'll actually get into it later. The, the match listing for this week's for tomorrow night's episode of Rampage, mm-hmm. you'll understand why we felt comfortable moving back to Thursdays. Yes. Um, also... We haven't figured out what we're going to do as far as coverage for All Out yet. We might do it on Tuesday night that week, if All Out was that important that we feel the need to talk about it quicker. Or we might do it on Thursday night and be like, what happened at All Out? I don't fucking remember. It was like a week ago. So, we'll see. We'll figure it out, but most importantly, we'll let you know when we know. So, so let's begin. Which could be like five minutes before. Let's begin with BTE, episode 270, entitled... CM Punk. CM Punk. We cold open with the crowd at the United Center, loudly chanting for CM Punk right before Rampage went on the air. I almost just spilled my drink. Please don't do that. We see Punk and Gorilla waiting for his music to hit. When Cult of Personality begins, the crowd erupts. Punk seems genuinely taken aback. He playfully does the for me for gesture me. and heads out through the tunnel. We then see the elite watching Punk's promo backstage and they roll their eyes and Kenny says, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> see, it's funny because they're pricks. <laughs> um, that was a little bit of a cool moment, seeing like... Yeah, His until, reaction until, backstage. Until the end. It's BTE. The, you know. I actually was wondering if Punk was going to be on BTE. That would have been something, right? But they they can, they don't... They definitely don't have to do that anytime soon. Um, <laughs> so... We get the title sequence. We begin, however, with our world-famous... Bucks traveling slash shopping music. Never look back or Brandon will cry. He's a bitch. Don't look him in the eyes. Never gonna make this show something to see. Cause this show's terrible. You like my substitute lyrics? So close. <laughs> I couldn't figure out the last line, to be honest. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> uh, we cutler cam the Bucks and the Good Brothers going out to the ring during last week's Dynamite. 
Harley Anderson and Luke Gallows separately but repeatedly yell into the camera that they just came in their pants. Gross. The Good Brothers can't not talk about coming. It is getting old. Nope, sorry, that's a typo. It's extremely old. <laughs> um, I wonder if they make those jokes of Japan in Japan if they get a reaction, like with the when it's translated. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's it's poor. It's piss poor. Oh, piss poor. Speaking of piss poor, we'll get to piss poor a little bit later. Uh, during the match coverage on Cutler Cam, we hear Brandon say innovative things such as, oh, and Knox, come on! Come on! After the finish, Brandon's in the ring spraying Luchasaurus with cold spray and says, it's dino repellent! It's dino repellent! Okay, that part I kind of laughed at. Any thoughts on Cutler Cam this week? Oh, they didn't give us a stupid skit before Cutler Cam this week because they gave us a stupid skit after Cutler Cam. Uh, yes. Astro, Astro says you need to be in chat so you can read uh, her insults. Me? I need to be yes. in chat? No, I can't right now. Uh, <laughs> then we go to a different segment with the button. You mean you can read them to me? So don't act like you haven't done it, Sal. I assume that was about masturbation, but I'm not sure at this point. Could be a delay. All right. We go to a different segment with the Bucks and Cutler, who show off more new Jordans. Uh, Kenny shows up, and he wanted something different today. So Kenny Omega got a pair of Yeezys. The Bucks are appalled by this. Kenny leaves, and the Bucks immediately talk shit behind his back, saying that Kenny's lost his mind since losing half of his title belt. They say, I wrote, I wrote yeah, I lost the title, but it was the Impact titles. Who gives a shit? They say it's time for a shopping intervention. More on that later. What'd you think of the segment? Who cares? It's... A very stupid way to play into their we have millions of dollars bit because Yeezys are probably the only shoe more expensive than Jordans. So I think that's like why they went with that one, but I don't even care. Also really ugly. Yeah, they, they, the fucking Kenny shoes are gross. They really... He, he apparently likes gross shoes. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we see Alex Reynolds... And Leva Bates chilling in a hotel room. However, they're keeping it PG. Both look bored as shit. The fuck is she petting? I, I thought it was a blanket. <laughs> like it looked like it, it looked like something taxidermied. I mean, I didn't have any interest in going back and watching it, but I'll take your word for it. Uh, let's see here. There's a knock on the door, and Leva gets up to get the door. She opens it, and it's Sammy Guevara with cue cards. Oh, we're doing Love Actually now. Well, Sammy's old gimmick is cue cards, so... Yes, but we're also doing Love Actually. I know. The first cue card says, Say it's Brandon Cutler. 
Alex is like, who's at the door? And she does indeed say, Brandon Cutler. Secretariat. Alex dismisses this as not important and goes back to playing games on his phone. Switch. It was a switch, wasn't it? Good for him. It was a switch. Good for, good for him. <laughs> I want a fucking switch. My daughters have a switch. Don't get me started. All right. The cue cards read, when we were together, I took you for granted. Distracted by wins slash losses, books, glasses, mustaches, my anxiety is a failure, but I digress. But for now, let me say, without hope or agenda, just because it's BTE, and BTE is the superior vlog, at the sight of this card, Sammy throws down the cue cards and says, Hey, bro, what the fuck? Fuck this dude. I, I did laugh at that. <laughs> I will admit I did laugh at that. Sammy throws down the card, storms away. Peter shows up in the doorway and whines that he paid Sammy a hundred American dollars that he <laughs> earned. Well, I would say that's a hundred dollars wasted, wouldn't you? Because <laughs> Sammy doesn't even write the, write his own cue cards. Peter could have just hired the guy who writes the cue cards. That's true. Possibly for less than a hundred American dollars. <gasps> Uh, Sammy throws... Okay. Peter awkwardly stares at Leva, but can't find the right words. So he begins to storm away, and she chases after him and says, Peter, wait! And he turns to her, and she says, Are you going to pick that up? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to pick it up right now. <sighs> <laughs> Did you think? Did you think for a second that she was going to be like Peter? Wait, I love you. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, we go to the Bucks, who are happy to see Kyle Anderson and not Sour Boy. Anderson says it's just him, him and Gal's hanging out. It's okay because he's got everything under control. Carl even takes a sip of his drink. And because he acts normal after that, the Bucks accept this as being, okay, he's fine. Then, while Nick, I'm sorry, while Matt brushes his hair, and Carl and Nick are in deep conversation, Gallo starts making jerk-off motions behind Anderson's back, and then turns around, pulls down his pants. We get a Sour Boy graphic that's covering Gallo's ass. He... He's in the cup and puts it back on the stand and then sits down and then Anderson takes a sip of his drink and he's back to being sour boy. Astro says, did you give a shit about any part of this episode? I did. We'll get there. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no, it's not, sour not boy again. Part. Not sour boy. Matt, sour boy I will say sucks. this. Matt tries so hard not to laugh and say his line. Like, because Anderson's really playing it up. Mm-hmm. And and Matt's like, Sour Boy's the worst, but you can tell he's trying not to crack up. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. And of course, they stay on it for far too long. Yes, but Sour Boy flipping out in the Sour Boy voice actually causes all of them to crack up laughing. <clears throat> Driving jokes into the ground. Yeah, it was. 
I think one of my biggest annoyances was like, come on, Gallows is standing right next to you, but you don't know he peed in your cup. This is so dumb. Just to get the line. Like, it's not even, like, let it happen naturally. No, you fucking, you have to get the, eh, you got a problem. I think we got a problem. Next, it's time for our Hollywood hunk segment. This is the one you liked, right? Nemeth and his uh, manslave are in the pool again. One moment. Mm. Isn't that pool supposed to be filled with jizz? Apparently it wasn't. At least not today. (laughs) Continuity. That's all I'm asking for. little continuity. Nemeth emerges from the water and asks, how long was he under for? And dude tells him, 47 seconds. And then he says, can I leave early today? Nemeth ignores him and says, while he was underwater, he had a vision of hatching out of an egg. Dude, whatever's in that cream is probably some good fucking shit. But he wasn't himself. He was cream. We are all cream. Cream is life. I hate this bit. <laughs> it's all about jizz. Is this going to end up with the Good Brothers at the end? Maybe they're the ones that fill the pool. All right. We get another Fast and the Furious quote. <laughs> I didn't write it down. That's right. That's right. For the uh, listeners of this show, one particular who I know loves Fast and the Furious, I took the time to write down Sammy's cue card promo. I didn't write down the two-sentence Fast and the Furious quote. Deal with it. Anyway. <laughs> Sunglasses. <laughs> uh, so I said it must be time for the best friends. Yep. They watch Wheeler Yuta lose again, and they all stare at him. Cassidy slowly closes Wheeler's laptop and takes it away from him. And then Chucky e. T gets up and walks away. And as soon as he does, Statlander bow, snatches bow, up Wheeler bow, and bow, chokes bow, him bow, out. Bow, 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 bow. Sleeper. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> Wheeler barely chokes out the words, I'll kick out next time. She drops him to the floor and walks away. I like this. Not my favorite of these segments, but this was still good. I liked it because nobody said a word. <laughs> <laughs> it, like it wasn't like um, Chucky e. T like had to tell Statland or anything. They all just were like, <laughs> it was great. All right. From there, BTE is in Chicago, much like they were at the beginning of the episode. So I guess we're Tarantinoing this son of a bitch. Whatever. We see the elite walking around Chicago. They determine they should go shopping because they are rich. Also, Kenny needs to get some Nikes, for Christ's sake. (laughs) They talk about new shoes as Kenny whistles cult personality. They then show off their new shoes and brag about spending overspending for them. Kenny got pollen-colored shoes. Okay. They're fucking ugly. 
<laughs> or is that before that when Matt Matt starts revealing his shoes and Kenny's like, oh wait, I got let me go get mine. We got to do it together. <laughs> and then he comes back in and they and tries to do the start of the the bit again <laughs> with the same jokes and oh it, no, it's rampage. It's it's a boring episode. I did laugh at that just because of the way he was trying to sell it with the stupid voice. I did kind of laugh at that. All right, fair. Uh, we get highlights of the elite visiting the Chicago Bulls locker room. Nothing else to say there. Speaking of locker rooms, we go to 2.0. Looking, looking for the phony sting. Farmer! Farmer! Outlander! Butlander! <laughs> right. All right. Um, they instead find John Silver. Yay! Speaking of Children of the Corn references. Yup. Silver's like, what are you guys doing? He's like, oh, you're looking for Stang? Oh, you don't want to do that. You want to? You don't want to go down that path. No, no, you don't want to do that. No, no, you don't. He tells them to do the Sting call, which is cup your hands to the mouth and yell something. Maybe. Uh, it doesn't work for the for 2.0, but when Silver does it, he says, "Yo, bitch." <laughs> Somewhere off in the background, somebody responds to the call in 2.0. Go run in that direction. Oh. 2.0 run away as Silver creepily wags his tongue around and wiggles his eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) Was that the segment you liked? That was the one. Tell me what you liked about the the segment. (laughs) We got 2.0 and Johnny Hungy in the same segment. That's, That's good true. shit. That's good shit. Especially because we didn't get a Dark Order segment this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how they were like, fake sting, phony sting. Um, Parker, too, he did something. Um, oh, fuck, I forget. The third thing he called when he did the sting call was funny, but I forget what it was. Anyway... Finally, we go back to the Elite again. They're doing chin-ups. Kenny completely shows off by doing a one-arm chin-up. Yep. I'll give him credit. That's got to be... That's hard as shit. He said it, too. He was like, that's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Nakazawa even does chin-ups. Holy shit. Although, not able to keep his feet up. No. Well, that's also hard, too. He was trying to do the one Matt was doing, where you tense, you know, where you, you know, tense your abs and keep your legs out straight as you do the chin-ups up and down. Which is Nakazawa could not keep his feet up. No, but that's also a very hard thing to do. But this was more. This is, and I've said it before. This was more of the elite that I enjoy when it's just, when they're just fucking around and not trying to play characters. They're just yeah. fucking around. Just oh fucking yeah, around no, that things. is true. A hundred percent. We finish with Cutler Cam in the Bucks watching the tag team match on Rampage. And yay, we get to see Marco Stunt getting tossed off the mat uh, off paper again. <laughs> My apologies for breathing directly in the microphone there as I left, but uh comedy. Mm. Comedy. Comedy. Ah, so that was BTE. It wasn't the worst episode I've ever saw. I like the beginning. I like 2.0. I like the best friends. And that's about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you really liked the Ryan Nemeth segment, didn't you? Oh my god. That face. It, it instantly got angry. You were like, <laughs> Why would you say that? I thought Ryan Nemeth was your favorite wrestler. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Dino Ante, episode 100 by my count. Not by his cage match. <laughs> Straight into the opening video, then JR hollers us into existence from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, my friend Derek was there, apparently. Don't know why the, why the fuck my friend Derek was in Milwaukee, but apparently he went to Dynamite. Do you uh, know who was there? Brock Lesnar guy was there. Yes, I have, I have notes. Oh, okay. Have notes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he promises the debut of CM Punk on Dynamite and talks over a quick recap of his Rampage promo. JR confirms Punk versus Allen for All Out. Excalibur talks about Brock Anderson's uh, future murder and the tag title tournament match. Tony talks about Jericho and what's sure to be a terrible women's match. Excalibur talks about a pointless trios match. And JR plugs our opening contest. It's Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy. Uh, you forget something in your backpack? I'm looking for a cough drop because my throat's fucking getting all sore. But continue. Orange is accompanied to the stage by the Kentucky gentleman and his vaguely Asian friend. But he comes to the ring by himself. We get a box replay of some shit from Dark, and then here comes Matt. Matt Hardy comes out by himself. Orange goes to pockets before the bell, and Matt yells at him. Uh, <laughs> Astro wants to know if you have COVID. No. I Been don't. there, done that. <laughs> I have a job where I talk all day, and then I come on here and I talk. Uh, lazy kicks are countered with deletes, and this goes on for far too long. Uh, I thought broken. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I thought big money Matt doesn't do delete. Yeah. Why? I wish he wouldn't. You want to talk about continuity? <laughs> that that wish. annoyed the shit out of me right out of the gate. I was like, what? What, what the fuck are we doing? Then Matt does pockets, but he pulls out cash. Uh, he gets drop kicked and makes it rain. Orange pockets one of the ten or so hundreds, then dives on Matt. He gets caught and gets his side affected on the floor. Uh, Matt slams Orange's head off the apron, then squishes him into the ring post before chewing on his fingers. He then stretches Orange out around the post. Back in the ring, Bryce has not cleaned up the money. Uh, Matt hits a trio of side suplexes, then he does Bryce's job and picks up the shit in the ring. Uh, <laughs> then he lazy kicks Orange on the mat. Body slammed by Matt, followed by an elbow drop, which gets a two count. Matt with a big punch, and he stands on Cassidy's neck, front headlock, and some forearms to the back, then a suplex, then he retrieves the hundred that Orange pocketed. Comedy. Or something. Except it took him, it took him way too long to retrieve that hundred dollar bill. And even JR was pocket. like, he was deep in there. <laughs> He's playing a little pocket pool. Uh, off the ropes for a back elbow, and a leg drop from Hardy, and Orange kicks out at two. Uh, Matt stretches out the shoulders, then a knee to the back, hard whip across, drops Orange, Orange goes up and over on the second, couple of head smashes to Hardy, and Orange goes up, Hardy avoids the dive, then blocks a beach break, sit-out crucifix bomb, gets a two-count for Hardy, Excalibur called it something, I didn't write it down, Hardy dances around, Orange rolls away from him, repeatedly. Orange breaks out of the grab and makes sure to throw Hardy to the hard cam side of the ring so he can dive on him, he throws Matt back in, and then goes up top and breaks Matt's fucking nose with a dive. <laughs> <laughs> Tornado DDT gets a two count and we get a nice close up of Matt Hardy's bloody face 
Holy shit. <laughs> I don't feel bad. Um, <sighs> I don't know whose fault it was. It was probably a timing thing. But yeah, Cassidy leaned it right in his face. <laughs> I'd say Hardy was too close. Yeah, I think so. I think that was it. Because Cassidy did the dive and landed high and came down square on Hardy's fucking face. And I, so I wrote, it might not, it might actually not be a concussion, but definitely a broken nose. Uh, Orange goes up again and Matt catches him. Might I suggest uh, shooting the fucking finish? You're bleeding profusely from the face, dude. Matt gets pushed off. Orange remains up top. Orange does the Hardy pose, does pockets, and hits a swanton. Orange deletes, wants a twist of fate, but it's blocked. Hardy with an elbow from the second rope, and that's a two count. Orange reverses a twist of fate, and that's a two count. Orange ditches the elbow pad. Matt ducks an orange punch. Matt wants the leech. Orange with a quick pin, and apparently Matt can't kick out because Orange put his hands in his pockets. There's blood all over Orange Cassidy's back. So, you really... <laughs> You really could have just ended with that uh, tornado DDT or something. You yeah. didn't have to keep going if Matt was going to lose anyways. <sighs> I did get worried. I thought he was going to take his bloody carcass and try to do the beach break. I'm like, that. that's not going to go well. Mm. Um so when Matt Hardy went up to the second rope to do his, like, Matt Hardy is awesome uh, elbow drop or whatever the fuck he used to call it, he j he jumps up on the second rope, and he's leaning his legs back, and he does his little pose, right? And I'm, like, watching all this blood fly out of his face, and I'm like, he's going to fall back. Imagine if he just fucking fell back off the second rope to the outside because <laughs> he lost his balance. Oh, fuck. Now, again, he would have deserved it. Um, I don't know. <sighs> I know what this match was supposed to be. It was supposed to be mainly a comedy match. Um, obviously, Matt Hardy getting busted open changed all that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what this match's other purpose was. Was it just because the crowd loves Cassidy, so let's get Cassidy out there? They're feuding with the Hardy family. So it's every, everybody's feuding with the Hardy family office. Nobody likes Matt Hardy. I don't blame them. <laughs> Why would you? Seriously. Even Ty, even Ty Conti's feuding with the Hardy. Never mind. You know what? I don't even want to talk about. It. We'll talk about it later. Excalibur immediately sends us to Malachi Black, who says, uh, hey, "Everyone knows Brock's in over his head." <laughs> Over his head. Uh, he tells Brock that what Brock is going to do tonight is uh, get himself disqualified, even though he means counted out, and then apologize and leave. And if Brock doesn't do this, Malachi is going to kick the shit out of the entire Nightmare family. The way he started that, he sounded like a dad who was angry at his child. <laughs> he goes, and you're going to go back there, and you're going to think about what you've done, and you're going to think about the horrible idiosity to challenge me in a match. I'm not... I'm not angry. I am disappointed. <laughs> this is what's gonna happen. <laughs> Did you just say idiosity? That's what he said. 
Ha. No, but that is what he said. Uh, in his promo. And what you're going to do is think about what you've done. <laughs> and when you're ready to apologize, you will come and knock on my door. I love how that accent sounds like um the main old wizard in Harry Potter. I forget his name. <laughs> Dumbledore? Yes, it did. It really did. Dumbledore. Uh, Excalibur says Jericho will discuss his future up next. Uh, when we come back, we actually do get Jericho. Of course, we also get karaoke. During Jericho's entrance, we get him a replay of him tapping out like a bitch. How the fuck is Brock Lesnar guy there again? Switch companies, I man. <laughs> I googled it. I had I had to because it was going to drive me crazy if I didn't. As far as I can tell, dude just works for Whole Foods in Chicago. Uh, or at least he used to as recently as 2014. Um, and it doesn't, it looks like, uh, WB gives him comp seats now. Cause motherfucker was at Rampage. Motherfucker was at SummerSlam. Now the motherfucker's at Dynamite. Oh yeah, I around. forgot he was at SummerSlam. <laughs> and this is not the first time he's been at Dynamite. Anyway. Dude, I want to uh, be the fan that gets paid to go watch wrestling all over the world. <laughs> well, what you need to do is get yourself on camera going. <laughs> At some point, and then, uh, maybe WB will fucking pay your shit. Uh, props to the guy in the front row holding up a "Keep Wrestling Alive, Get Vaxxed" sign. Well done, sir. And uh, very appropriate time to hold it up, if I do say so myself. Jericho says everyone's had a great week except for him because he lost last week. Wah. He lost to MJF for the third time, and even worse, he tapped out. Sadly, the crowd does not chant, you tapped out. Uh, Jericho says he's been losing sleep. <laughs> People don't understand why it bothers him so much. Jericho talks about how wrestling is his sole personality trait and then explains how he's now crazy. <sighs> MJF, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. Okay, at this point, I got super fucking mad. Because I'm yeah. like, no, no. May I? May I? May I? Jericho then refuses to let it go. Even though the whole point of the five labors of Jericho is that after it was done, it was fucking done. But no, Jericho says, until this is over, which it already fucking is, he's just going to beat up MJF whenever and wherever he finds him. What a fucking dick. Who's the baby face here? <laughs> right? No! I me no, no. I lost you three times and I can't accept that. I need my win back. God damn it, I need one of them back. <laughs> There's so much I hate about this, but I will let you continue. I become, I become, I become a, I become, I become, I become, I become, I become a, a petty a toddler fuck. in a toddler in time out. <laughs> that works too. Jericho then invites Max to the ring to hear him out, and then doesn't give him time to come out before saying he's challenging Max to one more match at All Out. Jericho says if he can't beat MJF, maybe he doesn't belong in AEW anymore. Maybe he doesn't deserve to be Le Champion anymore. Motherfucker, you haven't been Le Champion for a year and a half. And also, you didn't beat MJF. You tapped out like a bitch, so leave. <laughs> Please. We already did this, but continue. <sighs> then he threatens us by saying if Max beats him it all out, he'll resign himself to being a full-time commentator on Rampage. Dear God, no. 
Motherfucker, it gets worse. It actually gets worse. Nobody wins. Nobody fucking wins here. He also said I might do a couple dynamites, too. Nobody wins, because either Max loses or we fucking lose. Yep. Motherfucker! (sighs) Good God. If Max beats him, he'll never wrestle in AEW again. Yeah, but I don't want to listen to him either! (laughs) He says if Max wants to prove that he's better than him, which he already fucking has... Three times. He's going to have to get rid of him. Finally, Max comes out in a shirt that says MJF3, Jerobla0. Nice. MJF says when he heard Jericho say his name, all he could think of was, go away. MJF speaks for us all. Just leave me alone, go away, is also what I think when I see Jericho appear on my screen. Hmm. Max says he knows the game. Jericho's addicted to riding his coattails for the rub. MJF holds true to the whole point of the labors and declines the challenge for all of 15 seconds. He says, I can't, I can't believe MJF actually made this worse, character-wise. He says, I made a promise to myself I would never wrestle you again. Well, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> he didn't say exactly that. He basically uh, did. <laughs> Yes, MJF accepts the challenge, basically saying it was one thing to make Jericho tap out, but to retire Jericho, that'd be the icing on the gravy. Uh, He says he wants Jericho to really mull this one over, though, because he's putting his career on the line against the guy who's beaten him three times. Max gives him a chance to reconsider and leaves. Fucking. Fuck. 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 I said it a few weeks ago. Fuck. I said, why are they doing the fifth labor on Dynamite and not at all? Fuck. And, Fuck. Um, I remember somebody said, well, what if they do another match at All Out? And I was like, no, they're not allowed to. Fuck. So. Fuck. And, and by the way, just Fuck. for the record, there have been like six times Triple H said he was putting his career on the line. Won every single one of them. Just throwing that out there because there's still a very good chance that Jericho wins. And if Jericho fucking wins, we just Fuck. did three fucking matches, five labors for Jericho to end end the feud as the winner. Fuck. Are you kidding me? Fuck. Fuck. Backstage, the Varsity Blondes talk to the Lucha Bros. Garrison says they're a better family than the Lucha Bros. Pillman says their bond is stronger than blood because they both want to advance in the tournament. Like, what? Like, the Lucha Brothers don't want to advance in the tournament? What the fuck was this promo? When he said that their bond was stronger than blood, I was thinking, because you've both been inside Julia Hart at the same time? (laughs) <laughs> what's, that, what's that called? <laughs> not not kissing cousins. What's that called? <sighs> Let's go to match number two. And forget all about fucking Jerablo. I like that, by the way. Jerablo. The Luchabros. El Los Luchabros. Versus the Varsity Blondes. So speaking of things that 
either I got super mad at or made me laugh because of how ridiculous it was. Apparently, Alex Abrantes is fully part of the Lucha Bros entrance now. (laughs) He comes out, he's gesturing around, he's reacting to the pyro. I'm like, weren't you like a backstage interviewer? What the fuck? (laughs) He was the Spanish commentator. (laughs) Everybody's a star in AEW. Look at the referees. Okay. Uh, before we get started, however, oh, yes, so they come out with Alex Lebrontes dancing around like a hype man, and Varsity Blondes come out looking like something out of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Before we get started, out come the Elite, because of course they do, minus Kenny, and that's important for later. The Good Brothers and Cutler bring out two chairs for Matt and Nick to sit in and watch from the stage. Also, the Good Brothers and Cutler didn't bring out chairs for themselves. So they're just there to rub Matt and Nick while they watch the match. No, the Good Brothers are probably there to rub one out. Of Matt. Anyway. Griff Garrison begins with Ray Phoenix. And to Griff's credit, he keeps pace with the high-flying luchador. Phoenix goes off the ropes and attempts a springboard plancha. But Garrison catches him. Garrison attempts a fallaway slam, but Phoenix avoids it and lands on his feet. They continue to counter and avoid back and forth until they end up in a stalemate. Both guys tag out, and now it's Penta and Pillman's turn. Before they begin, JR says, This might sound like hyperbole. But he did not say hyperbole. He did. Oh, for fuck's sake. But Ray Phoenix is just extraordinary, for folks. First. Hyperbole? First. Not how you say hyperbole. And if you're trying to be funny, it didn't land. Second. Saying Ray Phoenix is extraordinary isn't hyperbole. Saying Ray Phoenix is the greatest wrestler in the world, that's hyperbole. But just giving him a compliment by saying he's extraordinary, I don't think that's hyperbole. <clears throat> Whoever wrote out JR's script forgot to write that one phonetically. <laughs> uh, Joker Penta, oh, we're still doing that, gives oh. Pillman the Sierra Meadow to his face, but when he tries it a second time, Pillman stops him with some forearms. Pillman goes off the ropes and charges in, but Penta lays him out with a super kick. Penta then tries the exact same spot that Pillman just did, and Penta gets super kicked himself. I don't. I don't understand why more people don't just start fucking kicking him in the in the legs or the nuts, whatever, when he pushes the middle into their face. Like, just fucking hit him, dude. What are you doing? Yeah, as he started to do it, I, I would, like, choke him out. <laughs> Kick him in the gut. Sure. Hit him with a DDT, something. Dude, do like Pete Dunne and just fucking bend his fingers back. <laughs> yeah, that that too. It's a little giant manipulation, man. All right. So Pillman jumps up. Okay. Again, I didn't. I get what they were trying to do, but I don't know why we have to do the same spot on opposite people. Like, it, so Pillman jumps up and down because he's a little bit excited because he got some offense in. Yeah. 
I go- did it. He go- Daddy, I did it. <laughs> he goes off the ropes and hits a running hurricane run on Penta. Pillman then wastes time celebrating, and Penta drops him with a, with a sling blade. Penta maintains control as we go to box. As we go to box, um, so a little bit of a character direction change for Brian Pillman here. They were playing it up during this match that he's too cocky. And he's young and he's arrogant. I'm like, oh, I've seen this story before. This is one of those classic wrestling stories. (laughs) So Pillman Jr. is going to be the Shawn Michaels? (laughs) (laughs) Sure as hell ain't going to be Griff Garrison. Nope. Uh, Well, Griff's gotten a little bit better. I'll give him that. During box, they they show the still-to-come graphics in the corner of the screen. Now, I, I totally understand there are fans watching in the UK, but it seems kind of pointless to use those graphics while you're in small box. Just saying. <laughs> Back from box, and Penta tries to fight off both blondes, but by himself, as we see Phoenix in the corner struggling to get to his feet. Penta hits Garrison with a soft-as-shit DDT... Nobody saw that. That looked like they just rolled. <laughs> Tags out to Phoenix. Phoenix hits a couple of super kicks and then a springboard missile drop kick, sending Pillman Jr. down. Phoenix runs over and hits Garrison with a jumping spin kick, knocking him off the apron. Phoenix returns his attention to Pillman, and Pillman is nice enough to set his feet, duck his head, so Phoenix can hit a cutter. You see that? <clears throat> Phoenix covers, but Garrison breaks it up. Garrison then tries to take a shot at Penta, but Penta drags him out to the apron. They fight in the apron, and Penta attempts the package pile driver on Garrison, but Pillman hits a pendulum dropkick to break it up. Pillman wastes time again, trying to fire himself up, and Phoenix pulls Pillman to the outside. The Lucha Bros hit stereo super kicks on the Varsity Blondes, and both are down on the ramp, so Ray Phoenix gets back in the ring so he can tope through the ropes, and Penta can kind of assist launch him onto the blondes. Phoenix takes a second to talk shit to the box, who mock clap on the stage. Phoenix gets back in the ring and attempts a hurricane rana, but Pillman catches him and flattens him with a power bomb. Pillman stacks up Phoenix for the cover, but Phoenix still kicks out. Pillman shoots Phoenix off the rope so he can punch him in the face, and Griff Garrison can hit his own springboard missile dropkick. Pillman covers, but Penta breaks up the pin. Garrison tries a discus elbow on Penta, but he ducks and hits a superkick that sends Griff out of the ring. The Lucha Bros take turns superkicking Brian Pillman Jr., and then they superkick him at the same time. They hit Pillman Jr. with a spike pile driver, and this gets the win. Your winners and advancing in the longest named tournament match in history of wrestling, the AEW World Tag Team Championship Eliminator Number One Contendership Semifinals Match. <laughs> That's what Excalibur said. Yeah. What'd you think of the match? My my note on here is, well, that was quick, but it, it wasn't. It was like eight and a half minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say it was almost ten minutes. I didn't think it was so. I don't know. It felt just felt quick. Uh, the uh, no, well, I wrote that ending, but I meant that's for what happens after the match. Um, yeah, I mean it was all right. I didn't, I didn't get a lot out of this because there was no way the fucking varsity blondes were gonna beat the Lucha Bros. So. 
I agree with you on that. Um, I kind of liked the Lucha Bros making Pillman Jr. look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> because, it, But it like worked for the story they were telling. Like, these guys have been doing it for like 15 years. You've been doing it for three. We're going to show just how in over your head you are. You know what I mean? I'm fine with that. No, that's Brock. That's Brock. Well, we'll get there. Um, after the match, the Jurassic Express get in the ring to go face-to-face with the Lucha Bros. Uh, Jurassic Express offer a handshake, but the Lucha Bros respond with Sierra Miedo. Then the Bucks get in the ring and shove the Express into Penta and Phoenix. Initially, there's, oh, shit. Initially, there's confusion about who pushed who, but Penta and Luchasaurus boot down the Bucks to the floor. Then Phoenix and Jungle Boy hit stereo topes from the, uh, on the Bucks to leave them laying on the outside. Ooh, the elite done fucked up. That ending felt like a very special episode where the bullies finally get their comeuppance. Yep. <laughs> Afterwards, we get a video package from Pack versus Alidolo. I'm sorry, for Pack versus Alidolo. At All Out. Uh, Andrade promises in Chicago, Pack will see just who Andrade really is. Not sure what that means. We get the match graphic for Pack versus Andrade, and also the match graphic for Punk versus Darby Allen. Also at All Out, Kenny defends the AEW Championship against Christian Cage, and Britt Baker will defend the AEW Women's World Championship against Chris Statlander. Thoughts on that? Should be good. Hmm. I hope they build something besides what they did tonight. They only got one more week. Mm-hmm. It just feels uh, like well, they barely had any interaction. Time for your pointless women's match. Jamie Hayter enters alone, despite her nameplate and Justin Roberts saying with Dr. Britt Baker and Rebel. Oh, there they are. Did they get lost? Uh, she's taking on Red Velvet, who's back to being straight out of your mama's kitchen. I wrote that down, too. My mama doesn't live in Miami. Red Velvet wears an apron as part of her entrance gear. Is that sexist? Maybe. <laughs> Unless she changes well, it, I guess. I don't know. The bell rings and Velvet starts with some terrible strikes, then a Fez press and some more terrible strikes. Hater brushes off a drop kick and gets a fallaway slam. Hard Irish whip to the buckles, drops Velvet, then Hater stands on Velvet's face. Uh, some stomps in the corner, then a suplex as Britt grins into the ringside camera. Chop against the ropes by Hater. Velvet grabs the ropes on a whip and somehow low bridges Hater without actually pulling the top rope down. Velvet hits a pair of stiff topes, then Hater throws Velvet headfirst to the ring post microphone. Britt throws Velvet into the barricade, and we finally go to box. Only about 30 seconds of dead air after Excalibur throws us there. Oh, make that half box. When we come back, Hater and Velvet are trading strikes. Hater drops Velvet with some stiff forearm shots. They trade uppercuts. Then Velvet fucks up an Irish whip, hits a clothesline, something else, and then no idea. Velvet nails a face buster, then drives her knee into Hater's back on the ropes. Velvet knocks Britt off the apron and then breaks her neck on a standing moonsault. <sighs> wow. Backbreaker by Velvet, followed by a massive clothesline, and that's a three count. I Red think you Velvet mean bad bri- by Hater. By yeah, hater. Yes. Uh, Red Velvet is the shit. She's also a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I know. Sal, have some sympathy for the poor girl. Mm, I, I can't. 
If you don't know how to do the move, if you can't do the move, don't do the fucking move. Well, you mean that Standing Moon's Halt? She's hit exactly once out of about 40 or so times. Dude, you know what gets better? It's not like... um, It's not like Jamie Hayter did anything even remotely close. Like, in the vicinity of what Red Velvet was doing. Like, it's not like Jamie Hayter was too close or, like, she didn't scooch over. Like, no, no. This was... Red Velvet decided to throw herself on her head, and the whole crowd went, what the fuck's wrong with that girl? (laughs) (laughs) It's a standing moonsault. You're going to position yourself for that. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know where you need to stand (laughs) in order order to land on your opponent when you do a backflip, maybe you don't do the (laughs) backflip. Because Red Velvet backflipped over Jamie Hayter and landed on her goddamn head. And uh, even the commentary was like, <laughs> Good night, Astro. Thanks for coming. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Much uh, in the way of some other women we've seen on Dynamite, uh, is this the last time we see Red Velvet for a while? God, I hope so. I think it's gonna. Be. But they don't need. They don't need a performance center, so. No, they'll just let people <laughs> learn the hard way, literally. Anyway, uh, I thought it's Jamie Hayter looked good. I will say that. It's it's what the AEW botches Twitter account keeps saying, and follow them while you can before they right. get shut down again. Some. It's it's at at this rate, the worst is inevitable. Mm-hmm. No, it's and not. Be, a, it's not an if. It's a when. And based on their taping schedule and how everything they do is televised, basically, it very very well may happen on live TV. Maybe, maybe not. There's a lot of barges on Dark that neither me nor you see, but I see on that account. And if it's on Dark, it's not on live TV. So, percentage-wise, they got a better chance of breaking someone's neck on Dark. That being said, if they draw somebody on live TV, that's not going to go over well. Especially depending on who that is. Like, now now granted, I'm not saying one person's life is worth more than another. But what I'm saying is, if a top star gets knocked out by one of these guys who have had, like, two years of wrestling under their belt, people are going to be fucking pissed. Look forward to seeing how the stands try to twist that. Uh, Britt and Hater lay some stomps in after the match until Chris Statlander runs down and takes out Rebel and Hater. Britt escapes a DDT and runs away, leaving her belt behind, so Chris grabs it and we go to the Dark Order. That's that's not a build. <laughs> like, I hope that's not the only interaction these two have. Uno says the Dark Order is unified as a unit, and all units have their obstacles. <laughs> Stu is missing, by the way. No idea where Stu is. Uno says they stand together. Alex laughs, and this causes an argument. Alex then quits the Dark Order, basically. John chases after Alex, and we go to a graphic for CM Punk. Next. So, my first note. Are we really breaking up the Dark Order? I don't like it. My second note. 
Oh, fuck. I don't like it. It looks like they need some direction. I wonder who's going to show up and lead them. One of two people, one I'm perfectly fine with. And that's Hangman Adam Page. He, like, unites the Dark Order when he comes back. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. The other one is somebody who was recently released by the WWE. And if he shows up in AEW as a cult leader, I would never hear the end of it. <laughs> person uh, particularly enjoy catching flies in, in his mouth his mouth yeah. yeah when we come back we recap punk's debut on rampage again tony is in the ring he says he's an announcer but he's a fan first that explains a lot and says on friday we all witnessed one of the greatest moments they've ever been a part of uh, <clears throat> this is the greatest moment in the history of this sport Oh, he said that on Twitter. Uh, he then introduces the best in the world, CM Punk. I will say this. I I don't know who AEW's graphic designer is, but whoever's idea it was to put that tube TV graphic on the, the center screen on the stage, fucking genius. I liked it. So cool. <laughs> uh, Tony, by the way, is uh, wearing a black suit jacket, a... Light blue shirt, deep red tie, bright lavender pants. Who dressed you, Grandpa? Listen, the 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 tan pants are are in the dry cleaner, right? They just you know. So we went with lavender. <laughs> Can't do. I mean, uh, never mind. Black, black jacket, blue shirt, red tie. Bright purple pants. Okay, if you don't have black pants at your disposal, what are you going to do? Blue? You can't do blue with a blue shirt and black jacket. Although this this was... This Bright was, purple is better. <laughs> I was going to say that again. All right, uh, one thing Did real Tony quick. Did come straight from the golf course? Maybe. Um, one thing real quick. Very, very little thing. I'm not sure if you picked up on it. Did you see what Punk did when he walked out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to mention it? Because he did it again at the end. Okay. We could talk about it at the uh, end. It's fine. Not yet. Uh, Shivoni asks Punk what the one thing brought him back, and Punk says he can't hear Tony over the crowd. Uh, so Punk shushes the crowd a little bit so Tony can ask him again, and the crowd starts up again. Uh, Punk lists off the names of the young guys in the back he wants to face. The Lucha Bros, Brian Pillman Jr., Jungle Boy, but before all of them, it's Darby Allen. Punk then says he no longer needs to be the voice of the voiceless because the people have a voice and there are people in the back who will listen to it. He says he watched Darby and Darby is reckless, like he's trying to kill himself. Not wrong. Uh, he says he's watched and has asked himself if he can still go. Does he still have what it takes? Is he still the best in the world? If the answer is still yes, then that starts with Darby Allen because Darby is a guy he would Punk would have loved at age 15. Darby doesn't fit the mold of a professional wrestler. He's not the biggest or the strongest, but he's got heart. You gotta have heart. Uh, if he's going to prove himself to himself, he's going to do it at all out. Uh, there was also a Brian Danielson tease in there, but we'll get to that in a few weeks. Uh, he says hello to his wife. That's it for tonight. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he he checked his watch. Listen to the watch. Uh, not quite yet. It's not time yet. That's what he said. It says not time yet. 
And I know what he's, of course, what he's referencing. But, um, so I, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that the crowd started a yes chant. He paused and he said, that's not my shtick, but I think you guys just have to be a little patient. Yeah. And everybody in fucking Milwaukee went, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Look, uh, uh, regardless, I thought that was a nice little response by him. Punk has more friends in the front row who it doesn't seem like he knew were there. Did you catch that? Yep. So oh, shit, you're here. Oh, shit, yeah. I haven't seen you in like seven years. No, he gets he gets up on the middle rope at the end of the promo to kind of wave to the crowd and then looks down and goes, oh, shit, and gets out of the ring and just starts hugging people. Uh, by the way, uh, also, <laughs> Tony says, and this is me being 100% fair, okay? Tony says, what's the one thing that brought you back to wrestling? The fans chant ice cream bars. CM Punk's thinking, $3 million, bitch! <laughs> uh, Punk does a lap, he gives Tony a hug. JR talks about a sit-down interview he did with Punk, which Excalibur says will be on the Countdown to All Out show, and Excalibur throws it to Miro twice because Punk wasn't quite done yet. So... Uh, I don't know why they're pulling a sit-down interview with JR. I, they made it sound like it was one from a while ago, from like 2017 or something, or 2018. They didn't make it sound like this was a fresh new interview. But I, oh, I, yeah? I guess we'll see. Because he mm. goes, I did an interview with Punk a little bit ago, and you guys will see that you know, before, before, on the, before the pre-show. And I'm like, he's not talking about the one he did in 2018, is he? Because he did. He did one at, um, not Star Search. What's that fucking festival they used to have? <laughs> Starcast. Starcast. Five stars from the European judge. Uh, but yeah, they had to throw, Excalibur had to throw to Miro, to the Miro video twice because Punk wasn't quite done yet. Right. Uh, Miro says he admits to being wrong. He called Fuego out for taking the easy way into AEW, but there was another. He then threatens to drown Eddie Kingston or burn this place to the ground. Bring me the Mad King. I will burn this place to the ground. Miro confuses me. Um, why hasn't Eddie had a response? Mr., you know, silver tongue on the mic. Shouldn't he have cut up Miro by now? Verbally? Um... What'd you think of the punk promo? It's decent. It I liked was, it. Uh, the one on Rampage was better. But... See, I like that this promo focused on Darby and Penta and, you know, Jungle Boy. Like, he he made it a point to, to mention them by name, which is good. And um, I I just like that he was, like, if I was when I was fifteen years old, Darby would have been my favorite wrestler. And I was thinking, yeah, that's probably how every single fifteen year old who watches AEW thinks that Darby's their favorite wrestler. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, mommy, can, mommy, can I get a skateboard and throw myself off a sister lift? Sure, honey. <laughs> no, but he's gonna do it anyway because he's a Darby Allen fan. Anyway, uh, no, I, I thought that was cool. I thought he put him over huge. So, trios action up next. Oh, as far as Miro, he also said, oh, yes. There was a line in Miro's promo. (laughs) 
that confirmed that Lana is a gold digger. Did you hear that? He said, my wife will love me because I am the champion. Like, wait, so she won't if you're not? That's the implication. She she ain't going for no broke, broke. Match number four. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen versus the Wingmen. What? (laughs) There was a discussion in a Discord server that I'm in. Uh, is, Is Drake... J.D. Drake dressed like Amish Roadkill or Big Bubba Rogers? I actually have Roadkill in my notes for that. Yeah. <laughs> that was I my, guess. I didn't get, I didn't even think of Big Bubba Rogers. It's not bad, but my, my mind went to Roadkill. I can see it both ways. I think it's the suspenders. It is. Um, okay, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. The last time we put Moxley, Kingston, and Darby together, which, by the way, pretty good face trios team as far as your top faces. You know what I mean? Like, can't go wrong with this team's merch, pop. You know what I mean? The fans should be happy to see this team. Uh, make no goddamn sense otherwise, but sure. Versus the wingmen. Wait a minute. So last time it was 2.0 and fucking twink face, and now it's the wingmen? We went from bad to worse? <laughs> I was so mad about this. I was so fucking mad. If you look at J.D. Drake, it looks like we went from bad to versed. Ha, <laughs> sausage, because he's fat. Um, anyway. Sorry. That was stupid. <laughs> Darby comes out with his dad, Sting. Moxley comes out with his dad, Eddie Kingston. No, nothing? I get nothing for that. Really? Fuck's sake. Come on. Really? Have you seen Eddie? He looks like he's 65 years old at this point. Mm. Nah. The wingman are already in... He looks like... He, he looks like it's like It looks like your dad and your uncle that go out on the boat and drink on the lake all afternoon. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're not father and son. They're brothers. Even better. It's your two, your two drunkles. We're going fishing. I put the wingmen are already in the ring. Of course they are. They have no daddy because no one loves them. (laughs) Darby starts out with roadkill. Wait, I'm being told that's J.D. Drake. There you go. (laughs) Sorry to blow up your spot yet again. That's all right. They do fuck all nothing and tag out to Kingston and Ryan Nemeth. What was the fucking point? Eddie no-sells Nemeth's chops and delivers a chop of his own that sends Nemeth to the mat and scrambling to make a tag. Kelly thought your joke was funny. Thank you, Kelly. The way way Darby looks like a child compared to everyone else in this match. (laughs) I mean, it's a little bit of Spike Dudley, but in much better shape. Yeah. But no, compare him to Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, J.D. Drake, Caesar Baloney, and fucking Ryan Nemeth. Darby's actually um, this, more this muscular scr- than Peter Avalon. Just to throw it scr- out there. But the, Avalon was in the match. Avalon I know, was on the outside. I know, I know. But this, this, this scrawny little nine-year-old. <laughs> it's true. Can I, can I come to your wrestling party? God. I don't know. Sting was like, take your brother. <laughs> if you're going out for a match take your brother 
Dang. Oh, why we got to take him for? He can never keep up. Except for he can. He's a lot faster than you. Taz was in the match. <laughs> All right. He tags out to Caesar Baloney. Eddie tries to knock down Caesar with some running shoulder blocks, but has no success. He tries some hard shots, but that doesn't work either, so Mox Blind tags in, and him and Kingston hit a double shoulder block to finally get Baloney down. Mox and Kingston charge at Drake and Nemeth and, and Nemeth and knock them off the ring apron. Mox talks shit as we go to box. Yes. Oh, just brings Baloney down. <laughs> Back from box and Mox attempts a suplex on Mr. Baloney. But he can't get him up. J.D. Drake tries to hold Mox back, but Mox punches him right in the mouth and tags out to Eddie Kingston. You can't say shit like that. We're not sponsored by Bleacher. <laughs> Kingston hits a kitchen sink, followed up by a kind of terrible Uranagi. Kingston sets up for the spinning back fist, but Nemeth hops in in the ring to distract him. The distraction works and allows Drake to hit a backbreaker on Kingston. Drake, th- they, bleh, Drake tries to follow up with a top rope moonsault. But as he climbs up to the top rope, Moxley runs over and bites his face. Yup. For a while. Ew. Kingston tags out to Darby, who runs to the corner and hits Drake with an avalanche code red. Darby goes off the ropes and Avalon trips him. Darby's dad comes over to make Peter shit his pants, and Mox and Kingston jump Avalon from behind and kick the shit out of him. Holy shit, I just realized what this is. This is like the Von Erichs. Sting is Fritz. <laughs> Moxley and uh uh Moxley and Kingston are like are like Mike and, and, and Dave, right? And then the heartthrob is Ke- fucking Darby, Kerry Von Erich. Which one's got one foot? <laughs> Kingston, you can't tell. Look at how he wrestles. Anyway. What was that? Was that supposed to be a rim shot? It was. was it was supposed to be a rim shot. <laughs> I can't do a rim... I'm sorry, I can't do a fucking good rim shot impersonation. Impression. I don't know what it is. The fucking... A choo-choo. Yeah, okay. I choo-choo-choo. No, I did Oh, the... it's a rim shot, Valentine. I did the drum motion... But you can't see that on the podcast. While making pew pew laser noises. I didn't say pew pew. I said. <laughs> there, <is> that better. <laughs> okay. Uh, Avalon's getting the shit kicked out of him. Mox and Kingston run in the ring and do the same to Baloney. And then Ryan Nemeth grabs a steel chair. Yeah. Nemeth gets grabs a, a grabs a padded chair. Nemeth gets in the ring and bangs the chair on the mat like he's gonna fucking do something. Mox and Kingston charge him and kick the shit out of him, too. <laughs> What's the point of this? Back in the ring, and Darby hits the stun dog millionaire and falls it up with a coffin drop for the three count. Did you happen to notice behind, behind the ring, before the three count, Sting... Beating the shit out of Caesar Baloney. Who is a participant in this match? 
should have been a disqualification. Just saying. They couldn't disqualify Sting. They right, can't disqualify that. anybody, apparently. <laughs> let me rephrase that. They couldn't disqualify Mox, Kingston, and Darby for something Sting did. Because then Sting will just kill the fucking ref. He's done it before. You really want to take a Scorpion death throw from Sting if you're Mike Knox? Or uh, Bryce Ramsburg? <laughs> I mean, it'd be a hell of a story. <laughs> After the match, production fucks up their cue and stops Darby's music early before Daniel Garcia can get to the ring to attack Darby. You catch that? And then I wrote, oh, Daniel Garcia's here. So glad this feud is continuing. Yeah. Sting and Kingston chase away Garcia. Where the fuck was Garcia's backup? Where was 2.0? It just it just popped into my head. You know that meme with Woody and Buzz Lightyear? Mm-hmm. And it's Buzz looking up with his high end up like this. And underneath it, it just says twinks. Twinks everywhere. That's this fucking feud. Anyways. Back at the desk, and we promote the buy-in uh, for All Out. Featuring the return of the Casino Battle Royal. This time for the women. A few of the women have already been announced, including... Ty Conti. Conveniently, Marvez is with Ty Conti right now. Once again, Alex Marvez doesn't ask a fucking question. <clears throat> Marvez repeats what we already know. Because that's how Marvez do. He tries to mention something about the Dark Order. It's not even a question, and the bunny shows up. She rips on Ty for still hanging out with the Dark Order. She offers her a contract with the Hardy family office. Right. Ty stares at her trying so hard to remember her lines, and finally says, well, no. Are you a bunny? <laughs> she rips the contract in half, and Bunny attacks her. They brawl, and the refs separate them. Sadly, we did not get a, are you crazy? line. Thank goodness for those referees who were right off screen. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on... Ty Conti's uh, delivery of her promo? Hey. Well, no. <laughs> Back at the desk, and we hear the music Ooh. of... Have you ever seen the bird, the movie The Birdcage? Yes. Okay, the way you said that reminds me so much of Hank Azaria in that movie. <laughs> I do not wear the shoes, because when I wear the shoes... They make me fall down. That's your Ty Conti right there. Sure. <laughs> uh, back at the desk, and we hear the music of the world champ. We will hear from the world champ after the break. But first, let's go to Dax Harwood, who has an update on Cash Wheeler. Dax says the nerves in Cash's hand aren't firing correctly. So Dax has no idea if FTR will come back full-time or part-time. But he can't say they will have one more. Match. Cash. Wrong, wrong former WWE guy in the company. Catch hmm. then shows up and says where he comes from. You wrap that shit up and keep going. They say they'll get their pound of flesh. Cash says top guy's out and holds up the arm and makes a fist. So, hey, that's a good sign. And if you want to see a really gross picture, go to Cash's Twitter. So, 
This whole gimmick of, oh, we don't know if we'll ever wrestle again, that's got to be a work, right? Um, I don't know. Because, granted, I understand he basically got stabbed in the arm. But, I I don't know, like, I, I didn't think it was that serious like couldn't you just like have surgery i mean granted i understand there's a lot like it could be a lot of complications i don't know but i also feel with some of the stuff they've posted online that they're working so i guess we'll find out so um if they show up and they wrestle and everything looks fine but they lose does that confirmed the rumors that we had heard that FTR only signed a one-year deal and now they're they're done with <laughs> AEW and they're going to go somewhere else? I don't know. I uh, back to the ring where Shivani is with Kenny, Callis, and the Stooges. Callis rips the mic away from Tony because Callis is going to do. He says... Don, Don Callis wearing the Pepto-Bismol collection this evening. Mm. Well, last uh, Rampage, it was the uh, Powder Blue. So tonight, it's the, um, I put, Orchid color suit. Don Callis is a walking gender reveal party. <laughs> uh, Callis rips the mic away from Tony. He says it all out. We are going to take down Christian Cage once and for all. Enter Christian Cage. Christian shows us a video from a local promotion 25 years ago, and the promoter says... He didn't understand why Callus never brought back Christian. He then claims Callus wanted to push a 10-year-old kid named Kenny Omega. KT reappearing in chat to say, Don Callis chasing that Pink Panther money. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the the gimmick, because it is a gimmick, is that Callis um, didn't want to bring Christian Cage back to the promotion. Instead, he wanted to bring a 10-year-old... Kenny Omega. Because that makes sense. That's bullshit, by the way. Yeah. You think? <clears throat> Although I will say that Callus was in real life managed by Kenny's uncle, the Golden Sheik. So. Wait, also, like, does everybody have, a, have an uncle in wrestling that's the Sheik? <laughs> Remember Sabu's whole thing was like, I was trained by the original Sheik. <laughs> I did not know that. How many wrestlers are like, I got trained by the Sheik. He's my uncle. <laughs> anyway, getting off topic they're, here. They're the same number of Sheiks as there are Doinks the Clown? Possibly. Uh, Kenny says, if you fast forward 27 years... Well, I'm sorry. First, Kenny, uh, after the video, Christian says, this proves what he's been saying all along, that Don Callis is a carny piece of shit. Swearing is cool. Kenny tries to cut him off, but the crowd chants, piece of shit, piece of shit. Swearing is cool. Kenny cuts them off and says the only thing the video proves is that at 10 years old, he was a better athlete than Christian was at 20 years old. Kenny says if you fast forward 27 years, nothing's changed. Callis says, so what? That video shows he used his power to book his family over his ta- over talent. That makes him just like Bill Watts. Just like Eddie Graham, Vince McMahon, and Vern Gagne. 
Because all of those people put their children high up on the card. I mean, he's pretty spot on that he's just like all of those men, because all of those men are pieces of shit, too. Although they were actually successful at their jobs. One very successful. The other three had moderate success. Unlike Don Callis, who is a failed wrestler and a failed promoter, apparently. Just saying. Uh, Callis then says, unlike Greg Gagne or Eric Watts. Remember Eric Watts? That was fun. Hmm. This is Kenny goddamn Omega. Christian then says he fell asleep standing up while listening to Callis and has no fucking idea what he just said. <laughs> I kind of I did laugh at that. KT says at this point the ring doctors were getting the defib ready for Callis to pull a waller on air. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian says he's not sure what's worse: the fact that Callis manipulated a ten-year-old boy named Kenny Omega, or the fact that an adult Kenny Omega is still letting it happen. Kenny grabs the mic and says, you think you know me? You think you know me? So good. So good. <laughs> I love that. I really do. That was good. Callis then takes the mic and says, you want to talk about family, Christian? I've got something for you. He then proceeds to remove his orchid-colored jacket. Callis says, what you're going to find out on September 5th, what the whole world will find out, is that when you stand next to Kenny Omega... You are what you've always been your entire career. Second best. Ma. Christian goes Attack. to punch. Christian goes to punch Callis, but Kenny gets in the middle, and then Kenny Nakazawa and Cutler. That's right. Kenny Nakazawa and Cutler try to beat up Christian. But the elite hunter himself, Frankie Kazarian, runs down with a lead pipe and everyone scatters. <laughs> Thank God for Frankie. What would have happened? What? What in the hell is Callus doing? Because obviously he, Jurassic he, Express, the Bucks, and the Good Brothers can't come out. They were already in a segment. Uh, what in the hell is Callus doing? He's fucking choking Christian with his jacket. What does it look like he's doing, JR? <laughs> uh, what'd you think of this promo? Not bad. A little, uh, a little weird, but... Uh... KTO also with the pool full of jizz joke in the chat. We made that we made that joke earlier while you were gone. So um, this set, that, this segment wasn't it, it was a it was it was a bit weird because but, of the whole ten year old Kenny Omega thing. That's a little, a little weird. That is a little weird. But also, the whole time I'm watching the segment, I'm thinking they're going to put Callis in a match against Christian at some point, aren't they? What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Like I, I had not considered that, and I already hate it. Like Callus, because Callus is so heavily involved in this feud, more than any other Kenny's feuds. And I'm sitting there going, Callus is going to cost him the match, and then Ken, and then Christian's going to demand a match with him on Dynamite. That's atrocious. I, I, maybe they don't do it. I don't know. It's just. Mm. This, this particular feud with Christian has been extremely callous heavy. So, and I get it. Everybody's from Canada. Yay, Canada. Scott oh, De Canada. Scott DeMore hates fucking, 
callous too. So maybe Scott Demore can be in Christian's corner. After all, Scott Demore, president of Impact, Christian Cage, Impact Wrestling World Champion. Moving on. I don't want to think about that anymore than I have to. Not a fan of Team Canada? Eric Young? Bobby Roode? Keep going. Uh, hold on, hold on. Mr. Canadian Destroyer himself. Oh my god, they used to call him Little Scott, Little Scotty Steiner. What the fuck? P.D. Williams. And? P.D. Williams. And? Tom Coe? No. No, 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 not Tom Coe. Uh, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, P.D. Williams, and... Wildcat Chris Harris? The only black guy in Canada. Who? Is it Elix Skipper? Was that his name? Oh, he was in Team Canada? <laughs> I didn't know that. Just remember him for being Team Canada's token black guy. God. After this, we go to a backstage with Mox. Uh, I have no idea what he said, to be honest. It was a whole lot of nothing. He said, oh, oh. Uh, something, something, I checked my mail, something, got only one back, something, something, Kojima Satoshi, something, something. I'm just glad they filmed this during dark. Uh, so we got some good crowd noise not reacting to anything that he was talking about. Yeah, a couple weeks ago he said he sent out all the letters. Apparently uh, only one contract came back, and it was uh, this dude. What was his name? Satoshi Kojima. I, I'm not familiar, and I'm sorry for anybody who's like a huge New Japan guy. I'm not familiar. It's hard to keep up keep up with fucking all this wrestling. Never mind other wrestling on top of it. I looked him up because I wanted to know how old he was. I don't remember that much. And he's like 50. Uh, so he's a here. legend. Satoshi Kojima. Uh, born September 14th, 1970. Sorry. And yeah, so, so he'll be 51 this year in so a month. Younger than staying. Three weeks. He's a Japanese professional wrestler currently signed to New Japan. He was the first wrestler to hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and All Japan Pro Wrestling's Triple Crown Championship simultaneously. One of three wrestlers to hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Triple Crown Championship, and NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, is an overall five-time world champion in major professional wrestling promotions. Uh, as a team, he and Hiroyoshi Tenzan are six-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. Became the first team to win G1 Tag League and World's Strongest Tag Determination League on the same year. He and Tenzan are also former National Wrestling Alliance World Tag Team Champions. Between the NWA, AJPW, and NJPW, Kojima has held 19 total championships. All right, so he's a legend. That's fine. Um, guess what I found out? Do you know that Lance Archer already lost the title? Yeah. He lost it to um, Tanahashi. <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. And uh, Tanahashi's going to come and fight Mox. Uh, but <laughs> Lance Archer didn't even get a run. He was like a transitional champion because Mox didn't want to go to Japan. We 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 called that. I know, but if I'm Lance Archer, I'm so like. <laughs> Granted, if I'm Lance Archer, I'm also in my mid forties, and should take any opportunity I can get. But it was just a little weird. 
On the May 20th, 2021 edition of Impact, a video package aired promoting Kojima arriving to Impact Wrestling as part of a partnership between Impact and New Japan Pro Wrestling. On the following week's Impact, Kojima made his debut confronting Violent by Design, where he challenged VBD member Joe Doring to a match at Against All Odds. At the event, Kojima lost to Doring. On the June 24th edition of Impact, he teamed up with Eddie Edwards to face VBD members Diener and Doring for the Impact World Tag Team Championships, but failed to win. So he, he was doing something in Impact earlier this year. but Again, 19 titles and former five-time world champion, obviously a big deal. But at 50 years old, pretty sure we know who's winning that match, especially if they're going to set up Tanahashi and Moxley. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, it's Trio's time again. Uh, the Gun Club taking on the Factory, who are already in the ring, with Paul White on commentary. Why are the Gun Club and the Factory in a match on Dynamite? This has Dark Elevation written all over it. That's why Paul White's on commentary. Billy starts with Camarado. Camarado starts with a knee and a shoulder block. He hits the ropes and eats an elbow, then returns with one of his own. Billy tosses him to the floor, then Solo comes in and Billy tags Austin. QT points at White and suddenly Camarado is back in the ring and we go to box. When we come back, Austin and Camarado are still fighting. Big slam by the caveman, and he knocks Billy off the apron. Austin avoids the corner squish, and Camarado staggers to his corner to get tagged by Solo. Austin avoids a charge and tags out. QT tags in as well. Colton with two avalanches and a pair of drop kicks. His hair is fucking stupid. Billy dumps Camarado, and they clothesline each other on the floor. Austin Thez presses Solo and just lays on him. QT with a backbreaker flatliner on Colton in the ring, and he kips up and points at White again, which makes White get up. Colton then rolls up QT for the win. Well, that was stupid and pointless. I have a question for you. Mm. If you had to, if you had to pick one member of the gun club to watch wrestle on Dynamite, like in a singles, who would you pick? Probably Colton, because he knows the least. Because he knows the least? I could beat the shit out of him. Okay. I was thinking, like, if I had to pick one and be entertained by it, it would be Austin. Because hmm. at least Austin Gunn, I feel like he's the only one who Wait, has... am I wrestling them? No. You oh, have to watch them on a match on oh. Dynamite. I misheard what you said. I thought you were asking which one I was No, if I wrestling. had to choose somebody from the gun club, it's not going to be Billy Gunn's old ass. Oh. Oh, to watch wrestle, yeah. Yes, awesome. and it's not going to be Colton Gunn's fucking green ass. It would be fucking Austin Gunn. He's not terrible, but watching Billy Gunn wrestle in 2021 is terrible. And Colton's got potential. Also, is it me, or do Nick Camarado and Aaron Solo kind of suck? <laughs> like, they don't do anything particularly good or important. The factory sucks. So much so, the QT Marshall apparently took, decided it was uh, worth responding to a rando on Twitter who was calling him out for being a shitty. Uh, speaking of stupid, the Gun Club nameplate when they entered said Austin Colton and Billy have a combined AEW record of 85 and 7. Unquote. Austin Gunn is listed on AEW's roster page with an overall record of 26 and 2. Colton is listed with an overall record of 24 and 
zero. Uh, Billy's record isn't listed on the AEW website because he's listed on the roster page as a coach. Uh, but you're going to tell me that he's 35 and five in AEW. How many fucking times has this old man wrestled on dark? Too many. Uh, Montanez 1998. Thank you for the follow. My follow alert still scares the shit out of me. Uh, is it the from there? One? Yes. And when I'm wearing headphones, he's yelling directly in my ears. Did someone say, little bitch? Oh, so good night, Saxon. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, from there, we go to Dan Lambert. Great. He calls AEW a dumpster fire. He blames the fans for this. He makes fun of Kip Sabian, Darby Allen, and Orange Cassidy, and makes fun of wokeness. When did I turn on Fox News? Uh, the men of the year are real men, he says. And that's about it. I... Yeah, I <laughs> Something that I hate occurred to me earlier today. What's that? I'm getting worked by Dan Lambert. What do you mean you're getting worked? And I <sighs> hate it. Because he's playing his character very well. And I don't get to the point that I don't like him and I want him to go away. I guess um, the heat shouldn't be with Dan Lambert. The heat should be with the men of the year. That, that's, a, that's the problem. No, you're not, no, you're not wrong about that. But the, the, the fact that I'm getting worked by Dan Lambert just makes me mad. So the same way you feel about the factory is the same way I feel about Dan Lambert. <laughs> I just don't give a shit. I really fucking don't. I know, he's such a good promo. He's, he's, he's like a modern-day Jim Cornette. Oh, when you've seen the original, you know. <laughs> I will say this. I'm glad that he's with the men of the year and not two random MMA dudes who came out of nowhere. Because maybe we'll actually see the men of the year on Dynamite at some point in the next... Six months? Yeah, they'll be in some uh, bullshit match at all out involving 16 other teams. Yeah. We then run down next week's Dynamite and this week's Rampage. More on that later. Holy shit, the they're going to do the Men of the Year versus Lance Archer, and he's going to beat them both. <laughs> Along with All Out. Fuck. Your main event is next, but first, Alex Marvez tells Arn Anderson shit he already knows and doesn't ask him a question. Arn Anderson agrees that his son Brock is a goddamn moron. Alex, I tell you, we know... That Brock's in over his head. We know that he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. I can't talk to him, though. He's a stubborn. He's an Anderson. He's a stubborn, stubborn man. And I'm like, well, you are his father. You probably shouldn't let him get in the ring with Malachi. There's kiddies. Hmm? Dumb as a brick. <laughs> I've spent 20 years of my life trying to get him to learn something. <laughs> And he's going to come on this program and challenge Malachi Black. Dumb as a brick, this kid. <laughs> it's main event time. It's also 9.49. I thought it was 9.52, actually. <laughs> 9.49, and we're just starting entrances. And then after Black's entrance, we go to commercial. Yes, and then... And then after commercial, we get Brock's entrance, and it's 9.55. Thank you. Yes. We don't start the match until 9.55. But before that, we do... I wrote, I wrote there's not going to be any TV time remaining once the bell rings. <laughs> um, so, to, <laughs> but, you know, the show must go on, and the show must go on exactly as it they formatted it, because Malachi Black takes about six minutes for his stupid fucking reindeer entrance. <laughs> Like, so Malachi Black's character 
this most recent time in WWE was he was a a, a devil worshiper, right? Like that was kind of like the gimmick. Um, is he still a devil worshiper, or is he just weird? Is he just a weird guy with the weird black eye? I, I, I'm very confused by this. Is he just weird? <laughs> um. As we begin, Shivani points out that this is Brock's first ever singles match in AEW. Yep. And now I'm even more no, pissed. No, 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 no. Not in AEW. Just his first ever singles match. Okay. Ever. So now I'm even more pissed. Okay? Because like you said, it's 9.55. They literally pointed out in, in the interview with Alex Marvez and Arn Anderson that Brock Anderson has had six matches. Total. Tag matches. Six. So, by saying all that, right, in, in the match starting at 9.55, what should have happened and what I thought was going to happen was yep. the bell rings and maybe, maybe, maybe Brock Anderson storms up to Malachi <clears throat> Black because he thinks he's going to do something. Black Mass, done. We're done. I mean, it makes sense. It's nine fucking fifty-five. A rookie, a kid who's never been in a, in a singles match before, should be overzealous. He should be nervous. He should make a mistake instantly, and he should pay for it instantly and lose the match. Kick his face off. Instead, instead, Brock Anderson takes down Malachi Black. I have a huge issue with this. <laughs> you made a point to say that, that Malachi Black has wrestled for 19 years. How is this fucking Jay Brown able to take you down? Yeah, Malachi Black's been wrestling for 19 years. Brock Anderson has wrestled for six years. No, just six. No, just six times. He's just wrestled six times. Brock goes after him with rights and lefts, but Black kills him with a leaping knee strike. Eventually... It took a little yep. bit to get to that spot, too. Uh, Black beats him down in the corner with body shots and a series of round kicks. Black drags Brock in front of his dad and taunts him. Again, why? Pretty sure it was those round kicks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was those round kicks where, where JR said he was uh, hitting him in the. He was going after the quads. No. Quads are on the front of the leg, Jim. Those are the hamstrings. Yep. Uh, also, uh, at some point, at some point uh, they were in the corner. And I think I think it's because uh, of the way Brock positioned himself selling. But Malachi Black at some point just legit punched Brock Anderson in the mouth. Welcome to the business. Um, yeah. Again, when we started this match, it was 9.55. At this point, it's like 9.58. Malachi Black drags Brock in front of, in front of Arn. And tells Arn to throw in the towel. Ta- throw in the towel. Magically, Arn has brought a towel with him. Yeah, he had it around his neck, underneath yeah. his jacket, because he's the sweaty old man. Arn is about to throw in the towel because we need this. Like I need another fucking hole in the head. And Brock Anderson screams, "No, don't do it! Don't <laughs> do it!" And Arn drops the towel. Uh. Malachi Black screams at Arn to throw it in. But Arn turns his back to him. Brock goes after Black's legs, but he gets caught with a T-bone suplex. 
And then he gets the Black Mass. And thankfully, it's over. Now, I'm not saying that Brock Anderson got a lot of offense in, but this should not have been even 70-30. This should yeah, have he, been 100-0. He got more than he should have, yeah. 100%. And it took longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So, aside from putting a kid's... And I get it. I know whose kid he is. I know exactly why he's in that spot. But aside from putting um, a kid in his first singles match in the main event of your show, you then have your brand new talent that crippled Cody Rhodes and possibly ended his career. Obliterated. Obliterated. That's what his lower third said. He obliterated Cody Rhodes. You have him not beat this kid in 10 seconds? And also the towel thing was stupid. What is, what is Arn like a benevolent father if he throws in the towel? <sighs> After the match, Black grabs a chair. Arn's like, no, beat the shit out of him. He's dumb as fuck. <laughs> Teach him a lesson, kid. Now see if that's the story they wanted to tell him there for it. After the match, Black grabs a chair and Arn dares him to put the chair down and fight him like a man. So Malachi throws the chair away. Anderson then squares up to Malachi Black, you know, 60-something-year-old Arn Anderson with all the nerve damage in his hands. So Malachi goes for the Black Mass. And Arn blocks it. With his hands. Hmm. Not with his face like he should have. <laughs> Malachi responds by kicking on in the nuts and then delivering the black mass anyway. So, um, that devastating move that obliterated Cody, Arn could block it. Just saying. I know Arn knew it was coming, but Arn could block it. Then, if this can't get any worse, big shoddy Lee Johnson runs down. And Malachi Black kicks his face off too, right? No, Malachi Black runs away. Are you sure about that? That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Okay, you know what? I... I have to be honest, he didn't run. He quickly left the ring. He increased his acceleration while stepping Mal out of the ring. <laughs> Mal Malachi said, I gotta go, we're out of time. Yeah. <sighs> Any thoughts on this match? No, I'm with you, 100%. It should have been kick, wham, pinball. Not only should it have been kick, wham, pinfall, you then kick Arn. In fact, Arn's the one that should have grabbed the chair. And then you kick Arn while he's trying to come at you with the chair. Because Arn's a 65-year-old man. He should have to resort to a chair. Right? And then, I don't want to see Dustin Rhodes in the main event. I don't want to see Dustin Rhodes send the show. But Dustin makes more sense 
for Malachi to back down from than Lee Johnson. Do you know what I mean? Six foot six, running down to the ring, pissed off as fuck, Cody's brother. Isn't that the smarter story? <laughs> Old as shit, yeah. I mean, yes. But anybody who watched, who hasn't watched wrestling in a long time and just turned tuned into this show was like, why is this super tall guy who's got a ton of tattoos and just beat up everybody, why is he running from this little cruiserweight guy? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we talked earlier about uh, about QT Marshall on Twitter. Uh, this individual tweeted, uh, AEW going to have a huge audience because of Punk, and they put The Factory on TV with a gif of Kenny Omega looking unimpressed. <laughs> uh, to which another person responded, good to be friends with Cody. And the original person said, I hate that AEW is basically a great show with great wrestlers plus a storyline with Cody or his friends. We can remove that second part, no problem. Uh, to which the, the second person said, let them feud on Dark and Elevation, not the national show. And, jo- and this person said, not even there. Put it on the Nightmare Factory YouTube channel. I just don't get the QT Marshall thing at all. Apologies to Mr. Strongstyle for putting his friend on blast. Uh, to which QT responded, true, hire Paul White with his price tag and keep him off of TV instead of using him to grow a fan base. That's why you're not a successful writer and they're begging for likes and retweets in your shitty write-ups. Uh, to which I replied to QT, it's really cute how you think anyone is watching AEW or buying the pay-per-view for your feud. Can't wait till you write your, till you write the pay-per-view and put yourself over. Did he block you? <laughs> uh, surprisingly not. At least not yet. Because he knows it's true. <laughs> also, let me get this Dir- straight. Director of Creative Coordination. You are bragging that you spent a lot of money on the big show. You are bragging that you spent a lot of money on the big show. And not only are you bragging, <laughs> um, you seem to think that anybody in the world wants to see you in the ring with the big show. Like, there are other people in AEW that I would have less of a problem in the ring with the big show. Put them in the ring with fucking um, uh, Wardlow. You know, put him in the ring with Luchasaurus. Why do I want to see QT Marshall in the ring with the big show? Right. Like, I think QT's overvaluing himself a little bit. People want to, people want to say that Punk has an overinflated, uh, sense of self-worth. Have you met QT Marshall? Because that guy belongs nowhere near TV. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But let's let's talk about the original point of that. Because mm-hmm. uh, we kind of we kind of touched on it last week with with Rampage episode two, how you're guaranteed a huge audience because everyone knows Punk's going to show up, and those are the matches you choose to put on the card. This week you you advertise CM Punk's debut on Dynamite, so you're guaranteed a huge audience for Dynamite, and you give us uh, nearly ten minutes of Matt Hardy. Two trios matches that don't mean a goddamn thing. Uh, Darby Allen and his drunk uncles versus the wingmen, and the gun club versus the factory. And fucking Brock Anderson? That's what you give us? That's what you give people who might be turning tuning into your product for the first time? Who gives a shit? Who's going to watch that and go... 
I think I might give that a shot next week. Now, I do very slightly understand the mentality of, or, you know, even not even the mentality, just the, the strategy of, well, we're guaranteed a million for this show because punk, so let's save the good stuff for later. I I don't agree with that mentality. I don't think it's it's it makes sense, but sure, right? Here's the problem, though. Of the people you had on this show, you didn't even book them correctly. You had Darby Wrestle. Darby's red hot right now. Darby's the one that's going against Punk. I don't need Darby in a six-man against a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. Fuck, main event with Darby versus Miro. Let Darby get his rematch tonight and show everybody why CM Punk wants to fight Darby Allen. That's, I'm not even saying like people who weren't booked on the show. Even the wrestlers they used, they didn't use them in a way that other people would be like, I want to see this. Yeah, there's nothing interesting here. That's why this has a 4.52 on Gage Match. There's nothing interesting on this week's episode of Dynamite. For people who watched this episode for Punk, they might have said, oh, those uh, those luchadors were pretty good. They did some flippy stuff. Maybe they said, oh, Kenny and, and Christian, oh, that, that's kind of cool. And that's it, because everything else was like, uh, what is the point? That girl almost killed herself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wait, I thought this was this kid's first match. How come he? Uh, how come he's able to tackle Alistair Black? Like, you know what I mean? I don't. <clears throat> if you know what the other yeah, thing, the, 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 the argument that you that you just made of we know people are going to be watching, so we don't have to try. Makes no fucking sense. No. Because if you don't try, you get this. And this would not make me want to tune in again. Ah, and and this does not really... If I'm on the fence about buying your pay-per-view, this does not do it any favors. Because yeah. 60 bucks is 60 bucks, And the WWE yeah. has made it so you never have to pay that again to watch a pay-per-view. No shit. So... Even if I'm a wrestling fan who's disenchanted with the WWE, if I'm going to shell out 60-something bucks, you know, yeah, I want to see Punk fight, but it's really got to be like a lot of reasons for me to want to watch All Out. And QT, yeah, Marshall, and Big Show is not months. one of those reasons. No oh, shit, yeah. Like, that's actually making less people buy the pay-per-view. And yeah, AEW only does pay-per-views every three months, but still... Even, it's not, that's not it's not the model anymore. Even Brit and Statlander, the hottest property in your women's division is Britt Baker, and Statlander's your best babyface, I guess. I know Britt's a babyface. I'm just saying. Why wouldn't you have a four week program of build going into All Out instead of a half a show? A show and a half? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like trust I said, that they're going to have any interaction next week. He said next week is the go home, so. I have a bad feeling their interaction next week is going to be reserved to backstage, and that's terrible. Mm. I'm not saying I want to see them in the match. Give me 10 minutes of a segment that builds this match. 
Fuck, we spent more time building Red Velvet and Brit than we spent with Brit and Chris Statlander right now. So it just occurred to me as we were talking about this. We've had Dynamite for almost two years now. Yep. They have not once done set up the main event in the opening segment of the show. No. Nothing ever happens on the fly in this company, supposedly. That's where as we're made to believe in, in kayfabe at least. Right. And this is what we get. <laughs> I was going to say, so that means that for a week you sat there and you said Brock Anderson main event against Malachi Black. People are going to eat it up. Yeah. Who... Speaking of an overvalued sense of self, maybe that's it. Maybe they think that Cody and, and and his family are such a hot commodity that because Malachi Black obliterated Cody Rhodes, that the fans are going to get behind anybody who they put against Malachi Black. Like that Cody is some sort of fucking god that people are really upset that Malachi Black beat his ass. Dude, nobody cares about Cody like that. Well, we know Cody thinks he's a god. Yeah, but nobody, like, if you got heat on Hangman, like, people would have sympathy for him. When you get heat on Cody, it's getting to the point of Goldberg, where people are like, yeah, fuck him up! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so next week on Dynamite, actually, let's do Rampage first, because we've got Rampage first tomorrow night. Tomorrow night on Rampage, uh, the finals of the Tag Team Eliminator Tournament, as Lucha Bros take on Jurassic Express. I see a few different ways uh, that this can end. Uh, first one, obviously, straight up, Jurassic Express win, get their get their cage match at all out. Lucha, the Lucha Bros can win a couple of different ways, as I see it. Um, they can win straight up and stick with Pack and Pack shows Andrade that see they do they don't need you to do good shit. Uh, or Andrade helps them win and says, see, I helped you get your tag team title shots. Or Jurassic Express win, and Andrade says, see, you need my help to get your tag team title shot. Mm-hmm. So there's, it, it, it could, this legitimately could go either way. Like, I, I originally thought, as we talked about last week, I originally thought, oh, just give Jurassic Express the rematch in a cage because of all the cheating and shit. You're right. showing TV with this. But I can... Uh, at this thinking, putting more thought into it, I can legitimately see a couple of different ways that you can go with this, with the whole Death Triangle Andrade thing, um, with you know Jurassic Express and the, and the the Elite having that unfinished business thanks to the bullshit in the tag title match last week or the week before. So, speaking of the Elite, that brings up an interesting idea. So, the Elite have been ringside for the first two matches of the tournament. Right. And they're obviously going to, not ringside, on the stage. And they're obviously right. going to be there on, on Friday night. So, if Pac comes out with the Lucha Bros, then I'm thinking Pac accidentally cost the Lucha Bros the match. That could also happen. And yeah. then Andrade's like, oh, talk to your boy. See? Talk to your boy. Like, not even, like, Pac's chasing after Matt Jackson or something. And like gets in the way or something like that. You know what I mean? Where where 
the Lucha Bros don't know who cost them the match, but somebody did, and the Bucks are like, it was Pac. <laughs> <laughs> and then on, you uh, have Andrade, and then that plants the seeds for Andrade to be like, that's the guy you, that's the guy you work for? <laughs> Jason's in the chat making fun of us now, uh, because NXT on that has been done and posted for over an hour, apparently. And also, my goatee looks like Jim the Anvil Neidhart when he, when he started puberty. So. <laughs> I need to get a I need to get a rubber band. Just put a rubber band no, because then you'll look like uh, Captain Lou Albano. Practice my laugh. Um, Ty Conti versus the Bunny on Rampage tomorrow night. I hope they tear each other's clothes off. Oh, then yeah, they'll have a match too. Sure. Yes. And your main event of Rampage tomorrow night, which again, why we move back to Thursdays. Kenny and Cutler. Nope, done. Versus, C- <laughs> versus Cajun Kazarian. You know what we need more of? We need more in-ring action between Christian and Kenny before all. <laughs> you know what we need? Brandon Cutler in the main event. You say that, but obviously it's because he's going to be with Kenny. It's not like Cutler's... Like, gonna... like that makes a difference. I mean, if Cutler was taking on Christian 101, that would be a... Uh, Malachi Black Brock Anderson situation. Um, I, I am looking forward to the tag match. The tag match should be really good. Mm-hmm. Both teams are, are really good. Lucha, um, sorry, Lucha Soros and Lucha Bros. Um, strikes itself, and then but Jungle Boy's fucking red hot. So I do think that Jurassic Express is going to win? Is Luchasaurus their long-lost great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-uncle? Yes. I was going to say uncle the whole time. All right, Dynamite next week, we've got Cage versus Hobbs, because Ricky Starks just said, fuck it, I guess. So, to... To put it in the words of Big E, two big meaty men slapping meat? Yep. Okay. Uh, Better than watching fucking the wingmen on my TV. Actually, you know what? You said Cage versus Hobbs, right? Yeah. That's already better than the entire second hour of Dynamite this week. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. Jason says, I look forward to Malachi Black's next powder to avoid a run-in with Hook. Um, Because we can't oh, get no. this, because we can't get enough of this uh, best friends Hardy family office thing. Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. Are you fucking serious? I didn't even know about that one. Ugh. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, mind Jack the- Evans. I just I'm so sick of the Hardy family office. This is the feud that never ends. Uh, FTR versus Xlax. That's time. on dynamite. Mm-hmm. I thought they said I'll get my pound of flesh at All Out. Pretty sure they announced that for Dynamite next week. See, this is the problem. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing in this company. Last week they said Ricky Starks would face Brian Cage, and then they didn't have a match. They had a face-off, and it wasn't even a face-off. But, like, do they even know, how, like what these people are saying in their promos, or do they just promote whatever the fuck they want? Do you know what I mean? 
Like, there should not be a confusion of when FTR facing uh, Santana and Ortiz. That should be definitive. We should be like, I can't wait for All Out to see that match. What the fuck? Continue. Jim Ross interviews Chris Jericho in the ring. He already did that this week. Oh, no, it wasn't Ross. It was just Jericho by himself. And Tony Schiavone has a sit-down with MJF. Yeah, I saw that. That's going to be weird. (laughs) All right. I only have one thing in the news this week. Real quick. Didn't Tony's son get his ass kicked by the factory? Yeah, but that's why Paul White's there now. Yay. Because he protects people. No? No. Uh -uh. Well, well, he's a protector. I don't know. Projector? No, protector. <laughs> All right. The only thing I have in the news this week, the host state for AEW All Out has issued an indoor mask mandate ahead of the pay-per-view. NBC Chicago reports the Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker announced a mask mandate for indoor settings regardless of vaccination status. Uh, Illinois will join several other states that have reinstated statewide indoor mask requirements regardless of vaccination status. Effective on Monday, Pritzker said, masks work, period. Yes, they do. All out is set to take place at the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Chicago declared a similar mandate earlier this month. So if you're going all out, bring your fucking masks. Nevada had declared that as well prior to SummerSlam, right? Probably. Okay. I saw something interesting on SummerSlam. I don't know if it was the way the cameras were shooting, but for a mask mandate, there sure were a shit ton of people who had their masks down around their chin. And I'm like, what? That's not really having a mandate then, is it? <laughs> you know what I mean? I hate people. Oh, well, I was, I was, I was having a beer, so I'm allowed to because I was eating or drinking. You have not had your mask correctly over your face the whole show. Is that an open-air stadium? Mm, yes. Yes, so it that was. Might have something okay, so that might not be bad. All right. That's fair. I didn't even think of that. Um, but All Out is not an open-air stadium. Correct. So how many people not, do you think... It's not, even a, it's not even a stadium. Right. How many people do you think correctly wear their mask, percentage-wise, and how many do you think get kicked out for not wearing their mask correctly? Uh, we're going to see so many fucking open mouths during karaoke time. It's going to be great. <sighs> That's it for this week. That wraps up episode. Yeah, that was almost English. That wraps up week 96 of the AEW rundown. Uh, as always, be safe, stay sane, be kind. Wear your fucking masks. Get your shots. Let's get this the fuck over with, please. Any last words? Um, I gotta say, Dynamite was disappointing. Mm. Very, very disappointing. They need to do better, and I don't have any faith that they'll do better next week. I will even give them the pass if next week sucks to let me see what they do at All Out and let me see what they do post-All Out. Because I don't expect much from next week. That, that card's not screaming out to me. Yeah. But if you if you put on a very good show at All Out 
and you follow it up with good episodes of Dynamite, I will be fine. Right now, we're not there. Right now, we're in a very crappy fucking uh, holding pattern where we're just doing a bunch of jobber matches, it seems like. We're in the doldrums. Seriously. All right. You know why? Because they used all their fucking good shit for the four episodes of, uh, the four special episodes of Dynamite in July. (laughs) So we're on the road again. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it. That's it. Go home. It's over. What are you doing? What are you still doing here? Go home. Fast anger. Bah. The cult of personality I know your anger I know your dreams I've been everything you wanna be Oh, I'm the cult of personality Like Mussolini and Kennedy When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>